0: How's it going, everyone? This is your host, Corey Grip, and welcome to episode two of the Get a Grip podcast. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about a numerous uh, numerous topics. Uh, I'm going to mostly focus on the NFL with a little NBA and college basketball mixed in. I'm going to talk about the bankrupt, uh, XFL firing for bankruptcy, bankruptcy. I'm going to talk about Christian McCaffrey and his new deal, to it to the Patriots. Is that really a thing? Can OBJ get traded? Dak Prescott, Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert, and the G League adding two high-profile college recruits. But today I'm going to begin with the XFL filing for bankruptcy. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, the league filed for bankruptcy three days after the league suspended operations and laid off its staff, according to the New York Times. Uh, The league's games drew an average of 3.1 million viewers on opening weekend, but the ratings declined each week. And games only averaged about one and a half million viewers by week four. Also, according to New York Times, I, I never really bought into the XFL. You know, yeah, I, I will admit I watched a little bit, and it was a little exciting. But you know, for me, and, and you know, I've said this to a lot of friends. Once the Super Bowl ends, the first weekend of February, my focus directly shifts to college basketball and March Madness, the NBA. Uh, Major League Baseball and spring training, NHL playoffs, I, and not even just that, but the NFL draft process, the combine, the pro days, the mock drafts, the draft itself. I never really bought into – I've never really bought into spring football leagues. Um, you know, I think football is worshipped in the fall with, with college and the NFL. I just – I never really bought into spring leagues. I, I thought they were always unnecessary – I never really was a fan of spring leagues. Listen, I think there's, I think football already generates so much attention from mid, from the end of July and until through the super bowl with all the bowl games and the national championships and the playoff and NFL playoffs. I, I just never, I think people need a break from football. Um, I understand some people love football, but I think the spring leagues, it's just, they're not great. Um, I, th- I liked some of what the XFL was doing with replays and, uh, you know, after touchdowns, you know, going for a one point, two point, uh, multiple point uh, conversions. But again, I never really bought into it. Um, and I didn't really think it would last long. Um, you know, I think the XFL was set up for better success in the American football league, a strong backing from Vince McMahon. And they, you know, they had a lot of former college and NFL players and coaches. So, the structure of it was built to succeed. Obviously, the coronavirus wasn't ideal for the league, but you can tell by the ratings that this league, whether it was to continue for the rest of this year and then maybe next year, you could tell the rating from by the ratings themselves that a lot of people weren't really buying into spring football. I think the spring is a time for people to take a break from football and really focus on other sports. Uh, there's a reason why the ratings were going down because other people were watching other sports. And I just was never a big fan. It's it's unfortunate that it ended so soon. It was a little exciting. And I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL took some of the concepts from the XFL and brought them over in the next couple of years. And it's unfortunate that people lost their jobs. But I think this is the end of spring football leagues. I think the American Football League and the XFL both had their own problems. And I, I just think there's not enough interest in spring football leagues and the short-lived seasons – And uh, lifespans of these two leagues, I think, have ended that uh, for good. And I think now we can solely focus on other sports in the spring as well as the NFL draft process and college football spring practices. I think that's how it should be. I don't think year-round football is ideal you know, because the NFL season is such a grind and college football season is such a grind that I just don't think people want more football. I think people like to watch other sports, and I think this just proves it. So transitioning over to the NFL, uh, Christian McCaffrey signed a record-breaking uh, four-year extension this past week. Uh, he's now become the highest paid running back in the in the NFL, averaging $16 million per year. He also has a fifth-year option and $75 million is expected to be paid out over the next six years. I think this deal is different than, than Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott, and, and here's why. Um, Listen, the Rams. I think fell in love with. We need stars. We need to be big, like LA. LA is interesting because um, I think the LA sports fans are are not like fans in in other parts of the country. There's so much to do in Los Angeles and Southern California. You can go to the beach. Um, You know, there's the whole Hollywood scene. Um, You know, and there's also tons of other professional teams. You know, now they're they. You know, I, I never really bought into the NFL. Um, Los Angeles didn't need the NFL. The NFL needed Los Angeles because it's the second biggest media market behind New York City. Uh, but, you know, now with the Rams and the Chargers, you also have USC and UCLA, the LA Kings, the Dodgers, the Angels. Um the Lakers, the Clippers. I mean, it, it just never seemed like a good fit. And I think the Rams kind of got caught caught up in the pompum circumstances of being in LA, you know, they overpaid for Brandon cooks. They paid Todd Gurley too early. They gave Jared Goff a boatload of money, Aaron Donald. Now, obviously I, I agree with the contracts that they gave to Aaron Donald and Jared Goff because you know, Aaron Donald's such a game changer and, and quarterbacks are at a premium in the NFL, but I love Todd Gurley. I'm a big Georgia football fan. I've always been a fan of Todd Gurley, but I think they paid these, some of these guys too early. And, you know, now we we've seen, you know, they traded Brandon cooks to the Texans and, and Todd Gurley just been released. It, it just, it didn't seem like the Rams knew what they were doing. I think they just wanted all these stars and they paid out all this money. And because of that, there were a lot of holes on their roster. They've traded a lot of draft picks away. the Rams, need to get back to being smart, using their draft picks, being wise with money spent. I know they're in LA and they want to, you know, drive traffic and attention to their team, but signing all these stars to big contracts, it just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I think, you know, Todd Gurley's contract, I think, will put a lot of teams on hold of giving contracts to players, you know, given his injury history. And I think Ezekiel Elliott, it's also different you know, McCaffrey's deal is also different. You know, McCaffrey hasn't been hurt. He has been fully committed to this team, to the process. He loves being with the Panthers. And he said himself he wants to be a part of this rebuilding process of helping return the Panthers to being a perennial playoff team. Um, Ezekiel Elliott you know, had a lot of off field baggage. And you know, I think Jerry Jones felt disrespected by Zeke after you know standing up for him and everything through everything Zeke had been through for Zeke to do that to Jerry Jones. And I know it, you know, maybe it makes it sound like I feel bad for a billionaire owner, but you know, after after everything Jerry Jones did for Zeke, all the PR hits he had to take, for Zeke to hold out and and do that to Dallas. And and you know, last year he just didn't seem to have that same impact. He looked a little out of shape for the first five, six weeks of the season. You know, it's different to be in good conditioning shape, but it's different to be in football shape. Um, you know, I think this McCaffrey deal is so much different than the gurley and Zeke deal. He's been fully committed. He's never bailed on this team. He never asked for a contract. They rewarded him for his hard work and his record-breaking performances the past couple years. He's been such a game-changer for this team. As a running back, he was second in the NFL behind Michael Thomas in catches last year. That's truly incredible. He's the foundation of this team going forward. Um, And I think for Matt Rule, this is great because I think Matt Rule wants players that are bought into what he wants to do. He's been a culture-changer at Temple and Baylor. I think it's going to take a couple years for the Panthers to get going, but they, you know, they do need to start drafting talent, but McCaffrey is a good way to go. And I think Matt rule going forward and David Tepper, the owner, they're going to make decisions with this contract in mind. They're going to try and put players, offensive linemen, other skill position players around McCaffrey. So he will not have the wear and tear. I think this is a great contract. And I think it just proves that for players, if you work hard, and you're committed to the process and you're committed to the team, they will reward you for your hard work. And I think that's what McCaffrey got in this deal. Moving to some NFL NFL draft news real quick. Uh, There's a report out there by Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network that the Patriots are looking to trade up and use a premium pick on a quarterback. And I think uh, it makes too much sense, right? I mean – The Lions are taking calls. I don't think this is a coincidence. The Patriots have a lot of draft picks this year. They have a first-round pick, three-thirds, a fourth, a fifth, and four six-round picks. The Lions need talent. And I think for the Lions to trade down, I think would be smart. Um, I'm sure the Patriots would give them a boatload of picks. Um, I think the Lions need as much talent as possible. Their defense was one of the worst in the league last year. I know they would love to have Jeff Wakuda or possibly – Isaiah Simmons at the third pick, but they need a lot of help on that defense. If the Patriots can give them four or five, maybe even six draft picks to move up, I think that'd be a wise move on Detroit's part to make the move. This is not a coincidence that this is leaking a week before the draft. Jared, you cannot tell me that Jared Stidham is the long-term answer in New England. I don't even think Jared Stidham – I do think he has some talent, but there's a difference between being a stud in practice and being a stud on the field. I'm not buying into it. He's not the long-term solution. I do think Stidham will be the starter for this upcoming season. I think whoever drafts Tua, I don't think Tua is going to play a lot next year. until maybe the back half of the season, I think teams want to evaluate him themselves to make sure he's fully healthy. Um, But there is one thing that I I think needs to be pointed out here. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban have a great, respectful relationship. They they admire each other. they worked together when they were on the Cleveland Browns staff back in the 90s. Bill Belichick has an admiration for Alabama players and players from that tree. Um, just look at some of the players he's drafted over the years. Damien Harris, he took the running back at, out of Alabama in the third round last year. Took Dante Hightower in the first round several years ago. And he's also drafted uh, two players from the Kirby Smart Tree who was – Nick Saban's defensive coordinator for about a decade, Sony Michelle and Isaiah Wynn. I don't think that's a coincidence. He loves players that have come from that tree and have come from Nick Saban directly because he knows that they understand how to play for a very demanding coach who demands excellence and perfection at their craft. I think Bill Belichick and Tua would fit really well together. I think Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels would be able to, to help Tua and Coach him out of some of those mistakes. I think they would sit him down and tell him, you you have to stay more in the pocket. You're not as athletic as you think. I said this last week with Tua possibly going to the Dolphins. I think whoever drafts Tua is going to have to sit him down and tell him, you're better in the pocket, not out of it. Injuries are a part of the game. I've always been a Tua tonga loa fan because I see the talent. I see the IQ. his high completion percentage his ability to really throw the ball down the field. He's got a great arm. Listen, I understand there might be some concerns about his height and his durability, but listen, talent speaks for itself. And I think wherever he goes, I don't expect him to play much of next season as teams want to make sure he's fully recovered and can really adjust to the pro style of the NFL. But listen, that Bill Belichick relationship with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia and Nick Saban cannot be overlooked. I think the Patriots are going to try and make a big splash and try to get to a Tonga of Iloa. The Detroit Lions need a lot of help. Patriots have a lot of draft picks. It's not a coincidence, and I would not be surprised if this trade happens between these two teams. Now, moving into OBJ, there's news from WFAN that the, the Minnesota Vikings and the Browns have been talking about a potential OBJ move. I don't think this is going to happen. But I think OBJ being traded, if it does happen at some point this offseason or even during the season next year, I think it would be good for him. And I think it would be good for the Browns organization. There's such thing as too many weapons, especially in the NFL. I think with a young quarterback like Baker Mayfield going into his third year, having a lot of guys that want the football is not great for his development. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, newly signed from the Atlanta Falcons, David Njoku's coming back off an injury. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. I I don't think it's ideal to have this many weapons that want the football. I don't see it working. Now, I think Kevin Stefanski is a far better coach than Freddie Kitchens. But listen, for for, for Baker's development, I think it's for the best that the Browns move on from Odell. Odell doesn't fit in Cleveland. His personality is too big for that city. Odell needs a big media market. But even more than that, Odell needs structure. When the Giants started to fall apart under Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer, Odell didn't was not the same. Um, his first year last year, played through a lot of injuries. Played for a coach that didn't know what he was doing. The Browns had a lot of hype last year, and they were they set themselves up for failure. I think Odell wants to win, and I'm sorry, but until Cleveland proves me and everyone else otherwise until they make the playoffs, they will always be seen as the laughing stock of the NFL. I'm not saying Cleveland's not talented. They are very talented. And I like Baker Mayfield. I think he has the tools to be successful. And I think if the Browns use their first-round pick on a left tackle, I think the Browns next year will be far better off. But I do think Odell – I think it could work with Baker. But without an offseason – Without a lengthened offseason and maybe a shortened training camp, who knows what's going to happen with training camp. Obviously OTAs um, not looking good for OTAs to be happening. But Without an offseason, it's going to be difficult. And I think this is a big year for Odell regardless of where he plays. He's struggled the past couple of years with injuries. He's been seen as a diva. He's been seen as a locker room problem. I think Odell just needs to get back to football and get back to being the playmaking machine he was his first few years in the league with the Giants. I still think Odell has a lot left to give to the NFL, and I think he needs to go to a better organization with a great coaching staff, a great foundation in the front office, and a state and stable ownership. Three things that Cleveland doesn't seem to consistently have. And I'll and I'll remind anyone that listens. Dave Gettleman said the same thing as Paul DePodesta that OBJ was not going to be traded. And guess what happened? A few weeks later, he was traded to Cleveland. I don't fully buy in I don't fully buy into what Paul DePodesta was saying everyone is available for the right price everyone remember a few years ago Bill Belichick wanted to move on from Tom Brady even Tom Brady has a price everyone is available for the right price tag and that includes that includes Odell Beckham Jr and if the Browns get a really good offer I don't see how they can say no they still have some holes on this roster that they have to fill out and I think for the long-term prospects of Baker Mayfield getting a guy out there that really needs his touches. Um Odell is a great playmaking machine, but that doesn't change the fact that you 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 can't have too much talent. There's such thing as too much talent and and the Browns have that right now. They have too many guys that are going to want the football and that can cause chemistry problems and problems in and in, in the locker room and on the field. I think the Browns will be better off moving on from Odell. And giving him something that he needs, which is structure and, and a consistent message from the coaching staff, the front office, and ownership. And I think Cleveland they can't really provide all three consistently. And listen, I think it would be better off um, for Odell to move on and for the Browns to move on. I think it would be the best for both parties. Now, moving over to Dak Prescott, um, this past week, uh, It was reported by TMZ that there were over 30 people at Dak's house. Police were called. Uh, No charges were filed as there was a party at Dak's house um, reported. And it could have come in conflict with COVID-19 restrictions and, you know, just having people be separate. I will say this about TMZ. They're often accurate. And, you know, I, I don't think that TMZ is making this up. Um, you know, they broke the Ray Rice story, the Donald Sterling story, the the Tristan Thompson cheating on Chloe Kardashian story all proven to be accurate. I think regardless if money was exchanged for information, they're almost never wrong. And I think Dak going out there and and saying that 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 TMZ is lying is just a bad look. TMZ is almost never wrong. I think this is a bad I think this is almost as bad of a look for Zeke as, as it is for Dak. I mean, Listen, Zeke, he's gone through domestic violence accusations, which resulted in his sixth game suspension during the 2017 season. He had the, the contract holdout that wasn't a good look. The shoving a security guard at Las Vegas at a Las Vegas festival uh, last summer was not a good look. A Pulling a woman's shirt up at, at Mardi Gras at a Mardi Gras celebration, also not a good look. Zeke seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time often a lot. And the, for the, the fact that Zeke always seems to find trouble and always seems to be just in a negative light. It's just not a great look for the organization. Zeke is a great player. He's one of the best five backs in the league. That doesn't change the fact that he makes dumb decisions off the league, off the field and always seems to be in the, the headlines for the wrong reasons. I also think it's a bad look for Dak. This is only going to hurt his negotiations with the team. The Cowboys are looking for any reason not to give Dak what he wants. It hasn't been reported, but it's been what exactly Dak and his agent Todd France want. But what is known is that Dak wants record-breaking money. Whether that's 40 million, I don't know. But it's certainly over $35 million somewhere in that range. And I'm sorry. Dak, he's a he's a really he's a he's a great guy. Doesn't off outside of this situation, has never gotten in trouble off the field, has always represented the Cowboys organization in the best light. He's been a great leader. But that doesn't change. And you know what? In his four years in the league, he's had he's had two division titles, a playoff victory. He's been one of the winningest quarterbacks in the NFL the last four years. But that doesn't change the fact that Dak, with all this talent around him, he's always had a great offensive line. He's all he's always had Zeke with him. He's had Cooper. For the last year and a half, he's always had an above average defense and he's never, he never seems to win the big games, never seems to win the big games. And when there's always, when there's injuries around him, he can't seem to overcome the injuries on the offensive line or the Zeke suspension. His production falls off when all the right circumstances aren't going on. And even when everyone's healthy, even when everyone is on the field, Dak always seems to struggle against good teams. So, I mean, I will say this about Dak. He's he's a good quarterback. But what for the money he wants, he's not gonna get paid that. And I don't and I think Jerry Jones would rather go out there. He 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 doesn't want to go out there without Dak. With a new coaching staff, you want your leader out there. You want your quarterback to be on the field. But Jerry Jones did this to himself. Had he paid Dak a couple years ago, I don't think we'd be in the same situation. But I think Jerry Jones has not fully believed in Dak. He said otherwise publicly, but his actions speak otherwise. And now it's too late. Dak has has had some success and he wants his money. And I don't blame Dak for holding out. I would do the exact same thing if I were in his situation. I don't buy into this. It's a bad look for Dak holding out. I do think that this party isn't a good look for Dak and will hurt his negotiations. But Dak holding out, I, I think – He needs to do it. I don't disagree with him holding out. Uh, I don't think it's selfish. He has done everything this team has asked him to do. He has done that and more and has been a model citizen off the field. He deserves his money. Now, does he deserve $40 million? Absolutely not. Does he deserve more than Russell Wilson? Absolutely not. Carson Wentz? No. Jared Goff? Maybe. But I will say this. Dak should be paid. Well, I would pay Dak. 28 to $30 million. And I think that is more than generous. But Dak views himself as an elite quarterback. So this is going to be a very interesting negotiation, continued negotiation for Jerry Jones. I feel like Jerry Jones will bend and break eventually. I think Dak is going to get his money in the end, but I think it's going to take a lot longer than people suspect. But at the end of the day, this is a really tough situation. I think Dak will get his money but this could certainly hurt his negotiations uh, status with the team. Moving into the NBA, real quickly, uh, per per Woj, Jazz players were very were quietly frustrated with Rudy Gobert acting carelessly in the locker room around teammates and their belongings. He also touched reporters' microphones jokingly during a press conference a few days before the NBA season was put on hold. I I I get it. I I feel like. Donovan Mitchell's feelings towards Rudy Gobert are justified. But I also think that Donovan Mitchell should forgive Gobert, but it's going to take some time. The way I looked at it was Gobert's attitude kind of reflected the attitude of many Americans. Um, You know, when our own president Donald Trump goes out there and says that this isn't really a big deal. And yes, he did deny that he said that, but he did say that publicly that it isn't that big of a deal and that while the federal government is looking into it, don't sh- – basically saying don't stress about it. Gobert's attitude just kind of – and his actions kind of remind me of uh, the, U- the United States during World War One and World War II. United States sent aid to parties on both sides in both world wars, especially in World War One. But they stayed in a neutral position. They didn't want to get involved um, in fighting in, in Europe, um, in the Pacific – because they felt it wasn't their place. It wasn't their place to get involved in the European theater and the Pacific theater until they were forced to get involved, until the bombing of Pearl Harbor, until the attack on Pearl Harbor, and until um, the sinking of the the Sussex and Lusitania and the Zimmerman note. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you look some of those things up, those were direct actions that drove uh, – United States to be participants in World War One and World War Two. I think a lot of times when uh, things aren't a- directly affecting Americans' lives or their lifestyles or their day to day, or or things that they do on a day to day basis, I don't. I think a lot of Americans don't really give much second thought to it. I'm not saying all Americans are like this, but I think many Americans don't concern themselves with world politics, and they really. Only connect with things that direct directly affect them, and I think Gobert's attitude on this coronavirus completely show that that you know a lot of Americans weren't really concerned with the coronavirus until it you know it it all it all hit at once and everything went to hell when the NBA season was put on hold because from that point on everything changed sports world or not everything changed after that everything. I think either way, there there are two things that are going to happen with the Utah Jazz. Either they're going to work things out or one of them is going to have to be traded. But I I don't think the Jazz want to trade Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best defensive players in the league. And I also don't think they want to trade Donovan Mitchell, who's one of the rising stars in the league, who made his first all-star team this past year. Um, you know, Both of them have to work through a lot of things, but I do think Donovan Mitchell needs to forgive uh, Gobert. I, again, it will take some time, but... Listen, you know, I think Gobert's attitude reflected that of the American, most of the American population. And I don't think anyone really saw this coming uh, on a worldwide scale. I don't think anyone saw this coming. And so I think you have to forgive Gobert in that sense. And one final topic um, before I let everyone go Jalen Green, the number one prospect in the 2020 recruiting class for college basketball, and Isaiah Todd, the number 13 recruit are are both going to the G league. Uh, Todd was originally committed to Michigan before deciding to go to the G league instead. And I just don't think this is great for college basketball. Um, listen, i I can't speak on Jalen Green or Isaiah Todd's home situations. You know, I think sometimes um when 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 uh, prospects leave college early, um you know, they need that financial stability, that financial backing to help their families. That's understandable, and i can and I can get that. I can support that. But I do think that college helps players. It doesn't hurt them. Look at Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson was not projected to be the number one pick going in, in the last year into the 2019 NBA draft. That was RJ Barrett. A lot of people said RJ Barrett was gonna be that was gonna be the number one pick and the in the 2019 draft. But as soon as Zion went to Duke and played under Coach K he immediately vaulted into that number one pick as the season went on. And that's because coach K really helped unlock some of his potential on the defensive end and helped change that image. A lot of people thought Zion was just a dunker, but I don't think people realize that Zion was so much more on the defensive end. He was a great passer. He, his jump shot still needs to improve, but he flashed some, some jump shot ability in college and his ability to dominate in the paint and have a high field goal percentage. But had Zion not gone to Duke, he wouldn't have been the number one pick, and he might not have got some of those endorsement deals and help off the court. Had he not gone to college, I think for a lot of guys, I can understand why you leave early to get that financial stability for yourself and for your family. But college helps players mature, whether they're there for a year, two years, three years, or four years. And co- also, going to college helps with your future in the NBA and helps with your personal brand. Uh, without going to Duke. Zion, who knows what Zion's brand would be. Um, I don't think people saw him as this franchise altering player until he went to Duke and until he played for coach Mike Krzyzewski. So that's all I want to say on that. Um, You know, college basketball is so great for many prospects. It really helps with their development um, on the court and off the court and really helps with building a brand for the next level and really helps see, have teams see who they can truly be as a pro. Well, I want to thank everyone, uh, for listening to my first show. It's, it's very humbling for me. I, I want to continue to, uh, provide my insight into sports. Uh, there's obviously stuff going on daily, even though there's no live sports. Uh, I really appreciate the listeners for that first episode. Uh, please spread the word. I would really love any feedback that anyone can give me. And I would really appreciate if, more and more people can listen to this, uh, to these episodes. I'm going to try and do this a couple times a week. Um, and I, I appreciate the love for that first episode. Um, I wasn't able to have a proper goodbye after my first episode, so I'll do it here. Thanks again for listening to my second episode of the get a grip podcast and uh, tune in soon for episode three. Thanks for the listen. Have a good night, everyone. Stay safe.